I would love to be involved in a flash mob type of setting like that at any time, but at Christmas time, of course, is such a natural, seems like, and uh, I just love any of those that I see on the internet. That's one, That one's one of my favorites, and of course, that's my king, preached by that old black preacher from years ago. Uh, what a blessing that was as well. In Revelation chapter number 4, I just want to look at some things concerning worship. He's our king. He is the king of kings forever and ever. Hallelujah. And he is king right now, and he is Lord of lords. It might not appear that way to this world or even to us sometimes, but he is. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. The idea of worshiping him, worshiping the Lord, and just worshiping the king of kings. And let me just say the attraction of worship, first of all. What is the attraction of worship? The attraction of worship is not a program or a special music or a special production of some kind. The attraction of worship is him. He is the attraction of worship. Of worship, Chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 says, When he had taken the book, the four beasts, four twenty elders, fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made unto us our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth verse 12 through 14 saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard i saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever hallelujah hallelujah he is the attraction he is to be the attraction of our worship the attraction of our worship is God himself, and Jesus Christ is God, Emmanuel, God, with us. So all of our prayers, our songs, our glory, our thanksgiving, all of our praise is to be to him. Secondly, notice the attitude of worship. Notice in chapter 4 and verse 10, the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. <coughs> notice the attitude of worship is humility verse 8 of chapter 5 it says when he had taken the book the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having everyone harps and golden vials full of odors which are the prayers of the son of the saints and verse 14 of chapter 5 and the four beasts and said amen and the four and twenty elders fall down were fell down worshiped him that liveth forever and ever so we have the attraction of worship is himself the attitude of worship is humility and then thirdly the act of worship chapter 4 verse 4 and round about the throne were four and twenty seats and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment and they had on their heads crowns of gold verse 10 and 11 four and twenty elders they cast their crowns before the throne saying thou art worthy and then also uh, Hebrews chapter 13 I just back up to Hebrews chapter 13 concerning the act of worship Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 15 
By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. The act of giving is part of worship. The attraction of worship is God. The attitude of worship has to be humility. And the action of worship is going to be giving. It's going to be the sacrifice of praise. Oh, I couldn't stand up at a mall and sing. I'll tell you what, we ought to be able, and of course it's easier when there's more of you, but doesn't that just thrill your heart to see people singing about the Lord and seeing the other people that aren't part of the group looking around and, and, and actually kind of just enjoying what they're seeing? The idea of giving, giving isn't just with our pocketbook, although that's certainly a part of it, casting our crowns and our gold before him, but giving of ourselves and, and praising him with our mouth and rejoicing and singing and, and uh, not just in this building, not just in a building that we call church because it's just a building, but that we, the church, are everywhere always practicing the act of giving out and praising him. And then the atmosphere of worship, the atmosphere of worship has to be holy. Verse 8 of chapter 4 says, And the four beasts which each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within him, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. So here in Revelation 4 verse 8, we see that also the atmosphere is to be holy, not unholy. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what's going, well, I do know what's going. I know what's going on is the, the, uh, the attraction of worship, the attraction of Christmas time is no longer about God. I saw a church, some mega church somewhere with, you know, smoke and mirrors and strobe lights and, and whatnot. And they had a Santa Claus zipping across the stage in, on a zip line, you know, some kind of a, you know, in a sleigh and, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and all this stuff. And somebody's lost their mind. They've lost the point of what worship is. They've lost the whole purpose of it. and let me tell you something the atmosphere is not holy all right santa is not holy <laughs> santa in my opinion is just a robber of who the event is supposed to be about uh downtown we have these loudspeakers on our main street of custer and and they usually play music and of course during this time of year they play what is called christian music however excuse me christmas music but it is not christian music in other words, what I'm saying is is that I'm hearing Christmas music every time I go to the post office, but all I hear is Santa Baby. And all I want for Christmas, and if we have to hear that one one more time, we ought to pun somebody the moon. And uh, <clears throat> Jingle Bells and Frosty the Snowman and Walking in a Winter Wonderland. And I'm not saying all of those songs are terrible except for one thing. They're leaving out the person. <laughs> They're taking away from the very person and the very person. He is the reason for the season. He is the reason for the season. That should be obvious. So the attraction of worship is gone. The attitude of worship is humility. The act of worship is giving. And the atmosphere of worship is a holy atmosphere. So with that in mind, I just want you to go over to Matthew chapter 2 real quick. Matthew chapter 2. In verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king, capital K, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. 
that's my king. These men were wise men and they knew who he was. And they were come, who were they come to worship? Him. They were come to worship him. That was the point of their mission. And oh, by the way, if you don't know, they didn't travel for a day or two. And they weren't even able to stay four nights in a motel somewhere. They traveled on a camel or horseback or walked or whatever it might be. We don't know how many there were. We know this, though. There were three gifts. And those gifts were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when they finally arrived, it probably was, I'm going to say, a year from the time that they saw the star. (coughs) I can't say for sure. But... But if you read the rest of the passage, you'll find that Herod decided to kill all the babies two years old and younger after talking to the wise men and trying to figure out when the star first appeared. And just to cover himself, he made sure that all the babies two years and younger were killed. And when you find this story, you find them not coming to the manger scene. They came to a house. And, And so Jesus had been born and had been a a living human being for some time by the time the wise men got there, which then tells me that probably they saw the star either when he was born or I'm guessing when the conception started, nine months before he was born. And they probably, being the wise men, magi, probably having the book of Daniel from Persia, they started to talk about the fact that this star means something. You know, they were called the astrologers and magi and wise men of Babylon in the book of Daniel. And when they came, who did they come for? They didn't come for Santa baby or Frosty. The attraction was who? The king of kings, God. This is the attraction of worship. They were, you want to see worship? Just watch these wise men here. Worship him. They worshiped him. So, Look here in verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. They worshipped him. Notice also you can see the, the attitude of worship. They fell down. Now, I don't know how many wise men there were, but I'm guessing there wasn't just three of them. Because when they came into Jerusalem, it stirred up the whole city. It got Herod's attention. Unfortunately, I think because there were three gifts, they assumed there were three men. I think the three gifts showed his, the fact that he was king, he was God, and he was sacrificed. But I think that they were probably an entourage of men. Could have been 30 or 300 or who knows what. But there were probably several wise men. And they, they tr- attracted attention. But amazing if you were to follow them from Jerusalem to Bethlehem like possibly some might have. I've always imagined, you know, the uh, Jerusalem post have, sending a reporter to follow the wise men to see what's going on here and watching them all just fall down and bow down to this, this insignificant baby. And remember, it, it, there wasn't like a halo around his head like the cards say. It didn't look like anything special. It was just a baby. And they fell down. Why? That's the attitude of humility. These wise men being humble. When we worship God, it has to be God we're worshiping. When we attend church, it has to be him that we're attending. It has to be him that we are going for. And when we do it, it has to be humble. I think we should dress 
in a, in a very respectful way, but it should never be, I hope someone notices my new outfit way, because that's not worship. That isn't humble. When we sing a special or do something in front of people, it ought to, ought to be that we desire to glorify him and to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ, not to be noticed ourselves. The attitude of humility and then also, as I told you from Revelation, the act of worship is giving. They presented unto him their gifts of gold and frankincense. and They opened their treasures, the Bible says. Not just the fact that they brought these three gifts, these treasures, as it says in the Bible, in verse 11, but the trip itself was a gift. The fact that they would ride all that way and spend all that time, I mean, that was a lot of time. If you know anything about the Fertile Crescent, back in that day, you didn't go straight across horizontally because it's just a desert. Between Israel and Persia, Babylon or Iraq, like we know it today, it's just a desert country. You can't, you can't travel. 2,000 years ago, you can't travel across desert like that because your animals need water and grass. And so they would follow the Fertile Crescent up north and then come back down. So this was typically, you know, at least a 600-mile trip one way if you went straight across and more like a 1,200-mile trip. This was a gift. Just the trip alone was a gift. I mean, that's, that's probably why they, you came from where? They're from Persia. I've never seen a Persian before. What are they here? They say they're going to worship a king. Well, Herod's the king. No, they're going to this baby's house. That's a gift. What these wise men did was worship, and worship involves giving. And whenever you see someone worshiping, there's giving involved. Not just out of your pocket. I mean, your whole life, your whole time. Time is a precious treasure that we have, and they gave it. Can you imagine the doubt along the way? How do we know we got the right star? You know? And the ridicule, you're going all the way where to, because of what? The act of worship is giving. And then the atmosphere of worship is holy. It says in verse 10, when they saw the star. See, they had lost sight of the star. That's why they stopped at Jerusalem to ask directions. So when you hear that song, following yonder, it's not really in there that they followed the star. I'll go on to that some other time. But when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. The atmosphere of worship is holy. I said a minute ago that there wasn't a halo around Jesus' head. I don't think that, you know, like you see sometimes in the movies where this ray of light just, but I do think that that star had a light. And there was something very holy about the location and the atmosphere. And and just the fact that these wise men, important men, obviously, men with means, and they are on their knees or maybe their faces, and they're just worshiping him and giving him their treasure. That's how you worship. That's how we worship. That's That's our example of how to worship him. First of all, him humbly giving, and it needs to be a holy atmosphere. 
A little while ago we sang, O come all you faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Seems bizarre to me that, but this is happening. And we have a Saturday night service. And honestly, the reason why we have a Christmas Eve service, it's not so much tonight. I, I don't think we have this in the, in the case tonight. But typically a Christmas Eve service sometimes will bring in uh, visitors or someone that doesn't normally go to church. So we had a service tonight, and we'll have another time tomorrow, being, of course, Sunday, the Lord's Day, and we'll have our, but we'll not have an evening service. And nothing in the Bible says you have to have an evening service all, every time. But it's amazing to me that some churches and Christians don't have time to go to church on Christmas Day. And someone pointed out the fact, oh, come, all you faithful? <laughs> That's odd. It is in the Bible, in Revelation, it is called the Lord's Day. Christmas isn't even guaranteed to be December 25th. You know, the, the actual birth date of Christ, we don't know for sure when that was, but we do know what day was the first day of the week. And the Lord's Day. And so it's good to be in the habit of just being in the Lord's house every time we should be in the Lord's house. That's what we should do. Why? Because we ought to be the ones that are joyful and triumphant. I mean, let's face it. A lot of people don't know what the whole thing's about anyway. After being mesmerized and conditioned and brainwashed, Santa baby. Oh, I want four. I, I don't want to start singing it. Rudolph, Frosty. And that's all. I mean, that's all it is. They don't even know. There, there is no worship. There is no attitude of worship. Why be faithful? Be faithful to what? Be faithful to myself. Joyful? Joyful about what? You listen to that old black preacher preaching about that's my king? He was joyful. And that was exciting just to listen to. And then those people standing up at the food court in a mall and just singing and praising him. Hallelujah. 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 That's exciting. Oh, come all you faithful, joyful and triumphant that's what it's about that's what we're doing tonight just we're just worshiping i'll just be honest when i saw the crowd tonight we started that second film i went in my office i took my notes i had for tonight and laid them on my desk and i grabbed tomorrow morning's notes and i brought them in here you know why because i have more of a salvation's message that was planned for tonight but i think most of the people in here have heard the salvation gospel message and what I was going to preach tomorrow morning is what I'm kind of preaching tonight, that we ought to just come and worship. Well, I don't know why we got to take time out of our Christmas day. Somebody said, boy, I tell you what, it's, it's, I hate to tell you, not only is Christmas on a Sunday this year, so is Easter. Oh. You know how many people do something else for Easter? Easter is not just family day and we, we, we've lost as a nation and as a people we've lost who it is we're doing this for and who it's all about but when you and I when we understand how we can be joyful and triumphant see if you're not saved what is there to be joyful and triumphant for especially this year what is there to be joyful and triumphant for but if you're saved hallelujah there's always a reason to be joyful and triumphant 
We're always, as the Bible teaches, an overcomer. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the Bible teaches us that we can overcome. 1 John chapter 5, and I won't take much longer, but 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, it says this, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. The overcomers are you and I. We have the opportunity and we already have the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a peace that passes all understanding. We have promises like Matthew 6.33 that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I have been young and now I am old and I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I'll be honest with you, humanly speaking, I look around and I see I don't know how we're going to get it done. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how it's, we're going to make it. I don't know what the, t- the future looks like in 10 years. But I do know this, he's still the king and he can't be impeached and he can't be killed. They tried that once, it didn't work. He is king. He is Lord. We are victorious and we've already overcome. And the Bible says in Ephesians that we are already set down at the right hand of God. We are already sit sit in heavenly places in Christ. As someone said, we have a reservation. You ever go to a restaurant without a reservation? You end up standing there forever. It's so much nicer when you go to some kind of an event and you've got a reservation and let you right in. We have a reservation through salvation. We are overcomers. We know we're there. And this is the peace that passes all understanding. This is the peace that, as Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote, no matter what is strong in this world, his peace overcomes. And we are the overcomers. And so Revelation, where we started, let's finish there. Revelation chapter 2. Verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. If you're saved, you're going to be there. It says in verse 11, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Woohoo! You can do whatever you want to me and kill me. I am persuaded neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things, nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ which is in the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It doesn't matter what this world does. I've already won. I'm already on the winning side. Verse 5 of chapter 3 says, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. We have the ability to be joyful and triumphant. It's hard to be joyful and triumphant when it's 28 below zero out. But you still are. You still can be. There's no reason why we can't be joyful and triumphant. And if you're joyful and triumphant, you'll be faithful. Oh, come all you faithful, joyful, and triumphant. The reason why people aren't faithful anymore is because they've forgotten what the joyful and triumphant's all about. 
I, I happened to catch just a blurb of Mannheim Steamroller today on the radio talking about some girl named Virginia in 1897 who was asking her dad if Santa was real. And, and, and they said that uh, the guy, Chip Davis, who did this Mannheim Steamroller, said that the dad wrote a wonderful explanation to her da- his daughter of how, how real Santa really is. That's over 100 years ago. And the sad part is you could have substituted Santa for Jesus and it would have been real. And I was once again reminded that this world's got time and they've got room for every other <laughs> warm, fuzzy story out there. But not Christ. And is it any wonder then that they're not joyful and triumphant? Look, let's be honest. The quote-unquote magic, the quote-unquote make-believe of Christmas it wears off when you get to be a certain age. And oh, by the way, I see some young kids in here. I hope I didn't ruin it for you. I remember going to a youth group, going to a, a meeting down in Denver. I was a teenager, and the preacher got up and said, Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is dead. Ruined my whole... No. Listen, I don't teach and... and and, and even go that route with my kids I never did because I don't want them to, to think well if Santa isn't real and I believed in him for years what about what they told me from the Bible now the word of God is real and guess who wants to rob us of our joy and our triumphant Santa I mean Satan guess who wants to take from and to replace Jesus with any other warm fuzzy heartwarming story out there Satan, he wants to defeat people and people are defeated generally speaking. But those of us who have been saved, we are, we are born again, we are blood washed, we are clothed in white raiment, the righteousness of Christ and that's what gives us the ability to be overcomers. We're overcomers and victorious in the blood of the lamb. And because of him, we are always triumphant in Christ Jesus. I'm just going to read this last verse and I'll be done. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And then I'll ask Josh to come and we're going to sing that song one more time. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Now thanks be unto God which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. He makes us always to triumph. He causes us always to triumph. In Christ. In Christ, I'm not a loser, I'm a winner. In Christ, I'm not a I'm not defeated, I'm victorious. <clears throat> and first Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So why worship? Why go along? Why do all this worship stuff? Why, why worship him? I'll tell you why. Because he is king. He wasn't used to be king 2,000 years ago. He wasn't just a baby 2,000 years ago. And that's a long time ago. And nobody knows about him anymore. Listen, he is still king. 
And even if you get to Jerusalem where they ought to know about him and they don't have a clue who he is, that doesn't mean he's not king. Oh, no, Herod's our king. No, 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 he is king. We're going to find him. And we're going to continue to offer our treasures to him. And we're going to continue to worship him. Why? Because we're part of the faithful and we're joyful and triumphant. We're not losers, we're winners. No matter what this world does or how crazy it gets, we don't lose, we win. He's my king. My understanding is that black preacher that preached that a little bit ago, been dead and in heaven for years. Guess what? He's still saying the same thing. That's my king. That's my king. So Josh, come on up here, find that song and let's stand and sing. Oh, come all you faithful.